live in the dungeon. This is the Dream Warrior Review. I'm Kurt Thomas. I'm Nick Strawn. And this is episode 96. It's a very special episode because we're going to talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warrior. Dream Warrior! I had a dream that we were going to review Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Oh, that's funny. I did too. Wait, were you guys both there? Because I saw you in my dream. I was there, and Kurt was there, and you were there, and Paige was there. Listen, <laughs> in your wow. dreams, you have the power to be anything you imagine. That's right. Could I be a meatloaf? <laughs> if that's your dream power, then that's your dream power. Listen, let me tell you, I've been working on a book so hard lately that uh, I wouldn't mind being a, be- a meatloaf for a little bit. <laughs> what about being Meatloaf the singer? Can you do that too? <laughs> That would be even better, actually. Even he doesn't want to be meatloaf. He'll do anything for behind the screens, but he won't do that, DeAndra. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm just going to read the one sentence that's in front of me from IMDb. That's all I get? That's, yes, it's one it's... sentence? Well, maybe it's a good thing because then it keeps us in our lane so we don't go off on a tangent. <laughs> With all the details, literally literally describing every moment of the movie. You've heard our podcast before, haven't you? <laughs> I've learned that tangents are fun, though. Sometimes I'll push Mick in that direction, actually. Yeah. Hey, go for it. Let's go off this cliff here for a second. Listen, you, you, you're, you're in my territory now. You're in Nightmare on Elm Street 3. <laughs> if you want a tangent... <laughs> He's going to be multiple tangents here, I have a I'll feeling. I'll give you all kinds of tangents. Welcome to prime time, bitch. Yeah, welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so this is about a psychiatrist familiar with knife-wielding dream demon Freddy Krueger. Really? Isn't that written beautifully? That's She terrible. helps teens at a mental hospital battle the killer who is invading their dreams. Wow. Wow. Yes. I, I got to tell you, uh, <laughs> in, in, in watching this again, and I just, just watched it again, I, I noticed... The beginning, quite a bit. I mean, I, the beginning dream. Is that because your credits are in the, with the beginning? What? Uh-huh. Your credit was in the beginning. Is that why you noticed? No, no, it? no, not that beginning. Oh, okay. Ding dong. <laughs> no, the 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 credit that the beginning with uh, the fifty fifty mirror, uh, the dream where uh, Kristen. Yeah, Kristen. Kristen yeah. Kristen's going into the dream, and and there's the uh, that creepy little kid with uh, the yeah. tricycle. Yeah, and I have to say the thing. The thing that amazed me is uh, how creepy yeah. that kid is. She is very good because she's like innocent, but at the same time, she's just not yes. even. She's, she's, you just know she's not a real person. This is where he takes Oh, really? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, so creepy. Yeah, this is. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I'm, when, when she said that this time, I got to tell you, it. it it actually bothered me a little. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. like, ew, that's ew. It's kind of Pizzagate, isn't it? <laughs> it is a little bit. Well, it was never proved. Right. No, it's- <laughs> well, there's literally a, a pizza in one of these movies uh, coming up. But anyway. Yeah, there's... Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> that's not a different movie. Anyway. That's a different movie. Uh, I, yeah, no, I, it, it was um, infinitely creepier, especially considering societally... <laughs> right yeah. now, yeah, it, it was it was like paralleling so many things that we have going on. I, that that it was uh, 
the weird thing is, is ever since Trump has become president, I felt I I felt like I was in a dream <laughs> or a nightmare, <laughs> and, it, and or a nightmare, either one. But 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 that is way then, scarier than Freddie. To, <laughs> I mean, they're both. He like is. Well, he's my Kruger for sure. <laughs> they are. They're both. <laughs> I have nightmares about orange hair. They both spent way too long in some kind of sunlight or flames or something. Right. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> But but I I just I have to say I just really appreciated how creepy that girl was and and something came to my mind and you know I don't use it very often <laughs> so so it's fresh okay fresh mind stuff here's the question where's that girl her name is Kristen Clayton and she was also in part four and she grew up. Um, to I believe that she was on like a couple episodes of Charmed. Don't quote me, um, but she was even in the Never Sleep Again documentary that they did. Really? Oh, yeah. And, and what is she doing today? These days, just uh, still an actress. I think that she's an actress. I think she's still an actress. Oh, really? Okay. I, I it just occurred to me that um, you, you know, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, who is just honest. You mean God, Larry? Well, Larry. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah, like, oh, that's right. In, in this credit, he's Larry. Yeah, uh, I gotta say that the guy, it, I have uh, crossed his path many times in Hollywood, and he is the coolest human being that's ever lived. You know, that's so good to hear. Oh no, is he is. Good. He is. He is just so awesome. You know, he he comes out and just like he did back then, he used to hang with the effects guys and the art department and and the people that you know normally just get scraped off of uh, the producer's shoe at the end of the show <laughs> and uh, and hung with the crews and hung with us. He he was awesome. I remember well, talking to Ken Sagos about him, and he was saying how great. Lawrence or Larry was to him and all the advice he gave him as an actor saying you don't need to push it so far all you need to do is just this and it'll come across across so differently and that Ken really appreciated that and you know there's always that kind of thing about people I think who go on to become I don't know I guess just (laughs) I don't know how to put this without making it sound weird but um who go on to, I guess, continue to do movies and television and film. And some of them just have that energy about them. Do you know where he came from at that point? I mean, here, here's the thing. This guy was in an apocalypse now. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. so I remember even at the time, everybody was kind of like, Oh, we, we, we bow down before you. Uh. <laughs> I have a funny story about apocalypse now and dream warriors. When I was a kid, the first time I ever saw Dream Warriors was right after Apocalypse Now on HBO. Really? And and my dad actually was recording it for me. Like he he popped a VHS in and hit record and then went to bed. And I like sat in front of the TV <laughs> and watched it. Wow. But every time I watched Dream Warriors after that, because I like wore that tape out, it was always the bull scene where the head is getting cut off. Right. I would always forward it to that scene and then start it right from there. So for the longest time, I assumed that scene was in Dream Warriors as well. And so I thought, this is how Dream Warriors starts. They cut wow. a bull's head off and then boom. Wow, that's, that's you, you know what that is? That's superior editing. <laughs> that's, yes. that's, that's mind editing. Mind editing. The best kind sometimes. The best kind of editing? Yeah. 
It's the head cannon. Head cannon. <laughs> <laughs> so, in watching it this time, uh, I appreciated uh, Nancy Thompson a little bit more. Mm. Uh, oh, woohoo! Uh, and, and I actually appreciated Craig. Craig Wesson is his name, right? Craig Watson. 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 I don't know how you, Watson. Yeah, I, don't, I always I don't thought know. it was Watson. But uh, I, 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 I kind of. I kind of really dug the the whole thing. To tell you the truth, the thing I have noticed is this: is I've seen um, different copies of it uh, recently, and it, it amazes me how much how different uh, the different uh, prints. Because some people have different prints. Right. Like for instance, uh, I, I have mm-hmm. I have um, the print that was on uh, Amazon. Uh, I had that print stored, and it's terrible. Oh, <laughs> it's the 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 Freddy's hell is completely washed out, and the one that you gave me oh, though, wow. is not from that. Right, uh, and it's Freddy's hell is really crisp in that one. Yes, because reds are easy to blow out, and, and whenever I've seen the other one uh, on uh, that's on Amazon, it's it's just it's a terrible print. It's just completely blown out, and and. I I've heard the thing is, is I've talked before to the DP. Um, I can't remember his name just because he's a really good friend of mine, right? Uh, I've talked before to the DP that that says that uh, one thing that New Line Cinema was kind of well known for was just putting out every print that they could get. In other words, uh, they put out so many prints out there that some of them were just terrible. Right and and if somebody had really been looking, they wouldn't have let them get out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they had to put a lot out into theaters all at once because it ramped up so quickly. It went way beyond their original release. <laughs> when they put out the original release, it was so many th- theaters. And then almost immediately, it was so popular that they had to do a second batch of prints. And that those prints went out without quality control, right? And wow. and and there are so there are some prints I've just seen so such different and it and of course I look for that kind of crap, you know. Right. Well, to piggyback off of that, do you know for twenty years I never realized that when Kristen is running in that opening scene when she gets stuck in that goo, right? I never realized that that was blood, because for like the longest time the initial release it just shows it as like a dark black looks like tar yeah Mm -hmm. but right like tar but when it was released to start watching on like sci-fi the sci-fi channel they for some reason had a better remastered quality right that's what i mean you can actually see that she's stepping into blood like she's stuck in this red gelatinous blood that she's trying to get out of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I made it. My mind was blown. (laughs) I was like this whole time. I thought it was black tar. I thought that that's what it was. You know what? What was it made out of? It it was, it was methyl cellulose. Sorry guys. It was just slime. Oh, okay. Methyl cellulose. It, It was actually the cheap version of slime. So, uh, essentially what we had is we had, um, dry slime, and dry slime was uh, methyl cellulose that was unmixed, and and we would mix it up in huge batches, and and that was filmed during the reshoot, uh, at the end of it, and in fact all those sequences with uh, her running with the dummy down the hallways and stuff, mm-hmm. all that was done, was done after we cut down 
uh, principal photography, that whole sequence, you know, with her running, wow. as soon as she leaves the, um, uh, the boiler room set and starts the running and the slogging and the, da, 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 all, all of that was actually, uh, put together to lengthen that beginning segment, you know, with her going down the hallways and stuff. Actually, are you guys ready for a tangent? <laughs> because yeah. you can bring it on. Because whether, whether are you, you, you wearing seatbelts like I are, am? Are you wearing? Se- <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing all kinds of harnesses. <laughs> so, I knew that we had these running sequences, and so we we had uh, some of the the hallway flats left. We made a bunch of new ones because now we really had to expand that length, and so we did about I'm going to say about 150 feet of of hallway, just generic hallway. If you notice that like, some of them are narrow and some of them are wide and stuff, so and, and there's doors all over the place, and we built this, you know, kind of like generic super hallway for that sequence. And I had a plaster, <laughs> I had a painter. His name is Mitch Simmons, and and he was the lead painter. And uh, and and he goes in and and when we're doing the reshoot, we're setting up, and I see him in there you know, with a drywall tool and, and, and he's starting to plaster that. And he's like just poking along and I go, dude, we got to get done, Mitch. And um, he goes, well, if, if you can do it any faster, show me. And I said, tell you what, better yet, let's do this. I'll race you. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I was raised as a plasterer. My dad was a plastering contractor. Oh, I spent unfair advantage. Unfair, Peter. <laughs> hey, if it's not unfair, I'm not going to do it. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, I I was raised doing closets of houses back when he he used to actually do interior plaster, and and I, and I was raised doing the interior of the closets, which was learning place, right? And uh, so so we get down this. We have a 150-foot-long hallway, and, and I go, do you want to trowel with your right hand or with your left? And he goes, well, it doesn't make any difference to me, which that's a fool's game right there. Come on. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, then I'll go to the right, and you go you know, to the left. I came all the way down the hallway, 150 feet. I came down it. And there was actually a turn in it. I came down, made the turn, came down, got to the end, did the end of it, and the doors all the way down the line, went back down and caught him at 32 feet. <laughs> wow. So I did, <laughs> which I did all the rest of it. I caught him at 32 feet on one side. I did our side. Man. And, did, and that was that was from just my days of, of, of being a plaster. And, and it was absolutely unfair. Wow. It was unfair of me. The great plaster race of 1986. <laughs> but, I, but I have to say, it was certainly brilliant from his point of view. <laughs> oh, absolutely. In fact, if I were him, oh, yeah, I'd slow down. Oh, yeah, you think you could do yeah. it better? Well, just <laughs> go ahead. He probably just went as slow as you possibly could. He probably did. He probably, like, well, I don't have to absolutely. work as hard. I got a question about the opening. <laughs> sure. The paper mache part. There's yeah. a fly that landed on the bowl. Was that in, was that just a happy accident? Or no, was that was when a train the fly. Won? That was a train fly. I was wondering if that no, was a trained one. No, it's not a train, <laughs> train fly. Are you out of your mind? That was, you know what that was, right? That was probably one of the flies that was released. That's, yeah. yeah. I've told you before about the, the original, right? Because we were played by flies because we tried to have them around the pig. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that pig. Ugh. That pig still grosses me out. Uh. 
I love the pig. Did, Every time I watch it, that scene still grosses me out. And I watch it often. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> only, like, twice a month. <laughs> but, and you're but, like, oh, oh, But oh. You've, you've seen my th- you've seen my, uh, my video, right? Where, where I uh-huh. explain the whole pig and the... Uh, and the story, the rest of the story of the pig and the flies? Yeah. I, I try not to think about that pig, but ever. <laughs> I just think it's so like, funny. Yep, I've heard it. I just think it's so funny that the, that, that the flies basically came down to a sound effect. Yeah, you couldn't see it all. You couldn't see it. <laughs> it would be great in one of those 4D theaters where you have like the, the, the seats that have like the little creepy crawlies in oh them. that'd be perfect and you're like oh, yeah. Oh. yeah i'm itching all over my body right now <laughs> do a little fly release this. in there yes Ooh, uh. um there was another thing that i really appreciated in 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 watching this again the skeleton uh the harry uh harry Housen, ray harry Housen, the little girl uh, the, no the copy when she of, turns into the copy of the the the, the ray harry Housen tribute the uh, skeleton oh, fighting. Yes, fighting at the end. Yeah, the fi- end. yeah, yeah. fighting John yeah. Saxon and and the other guy. In, oh, uh, oh, that yeah. was uh, that was kind of um, kind of brilliantly done. I, I have to say that between three and four, we did do just about every possible optical effect device you could imagine, yeah. all the way down the line. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Dream Warriors was such a game changer in so many different ways. Like I feel like. It was the first in all of the horror franchises to really add upon the story. Like, the other sequels, like, I've been watching some of the other films recently because I haven't, admittedly, like, I haven't seen a lot of other horror films, like, from the 80s. Right. Um, so, like, I've started watching, like, Friday the 13th and Halloween, and and they just... It's a repeat Aside of the story. A little bit, yeah, it, right. They don't they don't connect, and and Dream Warriors connected so well, and the cast, like the entire cast, is just so beautifully acted that like there's real substance to the characters, and then you add on top of that the dream elements that you guys put into it, and the like fantastic, mind blowing like special effects, like it really changed the game i feel like for not just horror yeah. films but just films in general yeah that's why it really yeah that's why it's pretty much the fan favorite because of all of that it's the story it's the acting it was the people it just it's just like sometimes it's so magical when you get the right person and so many of those actors pretty much all of them actually were the right person for that role and when you kind of get all that together plus how it's executed. Oh, exactly. It's no wonder that it is so popular with so many, so many of the nightmare fans and just horror fans in general who love Dream Warriors itself. I have gripe about the ending, but other than that, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. I the ending it's is over. so simple. It's over, and then it's actually <laughs> over. We turn the, the TV off, and that's the end. Like, yeah. Speaking of Mick, um, the person who says it's over, mm-hmm. what made you kind of have a little bit more respect for Nancy uh, after your most recent viewing? Like, what what changed? I guess it was kind of the depth of the story coming out. She was, <laughs> I mean, forever in my mind. Careful what you say. For, forever. I, I'm being. Hey, I know. Hey, you have wait, like wait, the two biggest Nancy fans on it, the call Stop right it. Now. Stop it. Now, for the longest time, like I say, 
the number one thing that I remembered about Nightmare on Elm Street 3, about her role in it, was her looking at the door and going, look, a door. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, the thing that you have to understand, and please bear this in context, the first time... Uh, the first time, uh, actually, the second time I saw this film was in South Central Los Angeles with after it had been out for about a week. And the entire crowd was screaming the dialogue back at the screen. And when the loudest thing in there was when that door appeared and, the, and she says, look, a door... <laughs> it literally shook the seats with everybody <laughs> saying, look, a door. It was it's such oh a my. suspenseful moment, too, because you're like, oh, my God, there's this big door there. And there's this music. It's like, ee! and then it goes silent and you hear her go, it's a door. And you're like, wow, wow. that yeah. was a real buildup. <laughs> yeah, that- <laughs> I, I never had an issue with this line. I don't ever. Understand no, no, no. It. It's, it, it's, it's, it's not an issue. The, the thing is, you have to understand is, is, is I just heard it with probably another, um, mm-hmm. you know, 2,500 black voices, yeah. you know, uh, yelling that at the screen. And, and to this day, every time I see her, <laughs> All I can think yeah. of is, is look a door, <laughs> and all these people. Well, so, so in yeah. all honesty, I was, it, and it was because of you guys that I was looking at it with, Shut. with I was trying to Aww. look at it with my, my, uh, my uh, equitable mind. Oh, he could be changed. <laughs> oh yeah, right. You, you know, I'm 61 today, right? <laughs> you know that I'm 61 today. Wow. Happy birthday. <laughs> I think he's just making that up for some sympathy. No, actually, I am. Really? Yeah. Today. I'll oh, show okay. you my license later. Well, happy birthday. Today's your birthday? <laughs> you kept it I think birthday. you meant 21, right? What? I meant You're yeah, 21. Yeah. <laughs> just reverse the numbers. 16. So young. So young. So young, yes. Oh. Um, so you guys are forgetting <laughs> about one of the best characters, and I guess since it's Mick's birthday, he'll probably appreciate this comment, mm-hmm. but my favorite character probably... Well, one of my favorite characters right. is are the is the sets. I would say the sets are characters yeah. in this, oh, for sure. Oh, I'm not trying you know to suck what? up. I, in fact, I hate saying this, yeah, but yeah. I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the sets. Yeah, the sets are, are really cool. I I have to say the uh, one thing that that I really loved this time, and, and maybe it was because of the print, but was the mirror set. The mirror set, and, and that was. I'm going to give my sister complete props on the mirror set. I mean, I designed the look of it and the mirrors and all the rest of that and, 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 and how it was, but she did that paint job and that paint job yeah, was amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah and, and, and she did it in a very interesting way. I mean, that was, that was not painted anywhere. It was all, she put, uh, um, paper that had, a a, a um, an, an embossment pattern to it. And then, uh-huh. and then she took that in that paper and used alcohol Phoebe's dye and dyed all of that red. Wow. The different layers of the different colors of red were all dyed onto there. Wow. Um, all, all with alcohol. And I specifically remember that um, I kept stopping her from doing it because other people had to work around and the alcohol actually 
killed i was killing people off and she <laughs> had i made her do it at three o'clock in the morning there's a pile of production assistants that's fair, a CJ in there. <laughs> right i really like the room for the hanging you know the people oh, that are I all hanging in there yeah yeah i have a picture of the of the hanging while it's going on that picture was taken uh basically what, what we did is we cleared out freddie's hell and and used the platforms uh, of pre- of Freddy's he- hell, and the thing is, is we had made a grid up there in order to light Freddy's hell, and so that was one of the rare places that we had a grid that was built well enough because I built it myself, so that we could actually hang, <laughs> so we could hang people off of it, and we had stunt people all over the place and extras hanging everywhere, and by the time we actually did the the filming. Two of them had actually passed out in their harnesses. Oh boy! Because <laughs> wow. Well, you know the thing is, you can never act. You can never ask an actor. You know, how are you doing? Are you okay? Because it <laughs> it, it kind of is is reverse psychology. You know, because if they are making absolutely like no money, right, and they don't have a line rate, they will hold on to like their role like death. So they're not going to tell you that they're about ready to pass out. They're saying, oh, I'm fine. And then they're out. And they're out in the harness. Because, boy, if you've ever hung in a harness, they are really hard on you. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I get sick and think, gosh, I don't think I can go to work today, I'm like, but what about actors when they get sick? (laughs) They, like, suffer through it. That's right. They do. Yeah. Yeah, but that's – and you know what gets them through it? (sighs) Ego. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, your ego – trust me in this is is, ego can get you a long ways. (laughs) Oh, boy. I had to widen my door. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Sorry. It's a door. Going back to that the mirror scene, I have something that I've always wondered. It's something that I've pointed out throughout the years, but I don't think anyone else has ever pointed out. But when they fly through the mirrors, Uh when they're done and Joey's screaming, if you look behind the mirrors, it's actually covered in like newspaper. And so my thought process growing up always was that when they're in the dream, they're actually in the dollhouse. Like, that's not the Freddy house. Like, Kristen pulls them into the paper mache dollhouse. And so at the end, when they fall through the mirrors and you see, you know, the paper mache behind those mirrors, that kind of, like, confirmed it for me. Was that, like, intentional on your guys' part or or not intentional? Um, Like, what's your thought on it? Well, we needed something back there, to tell you the truth. It's like the fly. I guess. Yeah. It sounds like. Well, here's the, the, <laughs> just more the thing is, is <laughs> put them you, back there. Let me tell you something just from a practical point of view, view that came up about the mirrors is the mirrors, that whole sequence from the mirrors to the point where, uh, Freddie, uh, Freddie dies. It's over. Or, 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 uh, yeah, where Freddie dies in the room. All of that was at the last possible minute. I mean, let me tell you how last minute it was. Those mirrors, they were holes in the set. And at different times, they would have uh, blue boards up for opticals. Or they would have uh, black boards up, which was just a cheat. Or Or you could see the flats that were behind them. Or they were, uh, they should have been breakaway glass. 
but there wasn't enough time to order that much breakaway glass. Oh. <laughs> and there just wasn't enough money because you're talking about $1,000 per per opening, you know, for right. breakaway glass. And that's just for one take. And the problem is, is if you get breakaway glass for a single take, you need you need enough glass for three takes, right? So what they what we did instead is we used tempered glass, which is actual glass. And Peter Chesney blew them all at once. The stunt people then rolled down ramps that were back there that were painted black, rolled into the set. Now, here was the problem. The problem was that if you look at the shot, you can see that we did we didn't want just little tiny pieces of glass, which is what tempered glass does. Um, we wanted pieces that looked like mirror. Mm-hmm. So the right. two that were the closest to the camera were actual glass when they were broken. But the ding-dongs that broke those broke them at an angle like this back towards the rest of the set. So if you look, you actually see pieces of huge pieces of glass roll towards the the actors that are coming through mm-hmm. the the stump people and a couple of those pieces of glass actually were landed on by oh. uh the stump people and and gouged huge pieces of uh huge chunks of flesh out of them Ooh. wow so it was all very last minute and and to this day that last sequence with um Robert dying in that room just bothers mm-hmm. me because mm-hmm. because literally that set the plaster was still wet. Hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. We we had so little time that for that room right there, that room wasn't finished until the morning before we were actually filmed. Actually, had decided to go from that mirror straight into a room at the end of it, which was undefined at the end of the day. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so that night we did did it and we were so running out of time and we needed a plaster effect to match the rest of the that i actually put dye in the plaster and we plastered the room and it was wet but the dye in it made it look like we had painted it (laughs) (laughs) oh my god but it's such a cool scene like aside from nancy dying spoiler alert if you haven't seen it yet nancy died but aside hey hey we run a clean podcast here (laughs) <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sorry, but it's 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 such a beautiful set. Like they're just the set is so beautiful. I remember there was a behind the scenes featurette when I was little that was aired on MTV, and you actually were in it, and you were talking about the the glass, and you were talking about how you make um, sugar glass, and that when Kristen fault the stunt actress falls down the stairs and her foot breaks the window. Um, that it's actually sugared glass. Right, right. And I remember <laughs> I was trying to make sugar glass at like 10 years old. Oh. And you got me in so much trouble from my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I ruined like a boiler and a sheet pan. Like bad. Wound up making caramel, didn't you? It was like burnt and sticky and stuck and it just was horrible. But... Those like kudos, man, because those sets were just—they're just so beautiful. Ah, just beautiful. thank you. How did you make the effect um, when after everybody falls asleep and gets into the quiet room with Kristen, and 
you have all of the, the, the walls like start the to bend around them. coming through the walls. Yeah. I know when I was talking with Jennifer Rubin, she was mentioning how the feathers are flying and you're supposed to scream, but everybody's like choking and all That's the feathers right. are like, what? <laughs> That's right. If you'll notice, if you will notice, <laughs> if you'll, uh, literally we use feathers. We, we, <laughs> Baccia, who was our, uh, our prop master was always kind of a, she was a rough and ready human being. <laughs> and we said we were we were gonna okay, we need the feathers now. And she comes around the corner and she literally got a pillow. Oh <laughs> literally my gosh. a pillow and a razor and a straight razor. <laughs> she cuts the pillow. She's goes, been waiting to get out those frustrations. She was, the like, craziest, oh she was the craziest person ever. I loved her. I swear <laughs> she but but literally what that what that was is we made those blades, those claw we made those claw devices. And then um, we made, just made them out of steel, sharpened them, and then we had a board. Like each one of them had a board, and it would only go so far on the board, you know, and stick into the room so far. But yeah. but honest to God, these people were in that room. All those actors were in uh-huh. that room while while three sets of those blades were coming oh, coming down so and scary. going across, and they were actually in there when we were doing it. We didn't really, um, yeah. we didn't have <laughs> an option for it. Wow. <laughs> but now, when when the one blade comes down, it it cuts Heather's necklace off. That must have been pretty scary. Like, was that intentional, or was she just too close? Oh no, no, it was it was the blade. No, it was intentional. I mean, the thing is, okay. is there was a trip and a wire on that. Uh, no, we we wouldn't. Um, we, Here's where Mick gets super serious. He's like, no, 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 DeAndre. No, no, no. You, like, no, you have <laughs> we, to. How'd we you like that? How'd you like that? that? That's that's a trigger in me. You know that that thing because you know here. Here's the thing. Uh, as much as we goof around and all the rest of that, when they're on set and and, and you've built that set and it's your responsibility to mm-hmm. make that gag and stuff, you mm-hmm. know you can. You know me. I, I'm I'm a kidder. Uh, I am. I yeah. hardly ever see say anything um, straight. <laughs> I'm always trying to kid you, but boy, when it comes down to safety, uh, it was mm. it was my job to make sure people were covered. That's one thing not to joke about. Yeah, you know Peter Ch- Peter Chesney, my good friend, who's uh, I've worked with and and worked with me on three and four and many mm-hmm. many other things. He's he's a mechanical special effects coordinator. And I would work with him all the time as a designer and an effects designer. And that's one thing that's, that's just utterly that we don't kid about, you know? Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was like a, Oh, Oh, like an, Oh my goodness. That's so, Oh no, no, but it looks good. Let's keep it in. Like <laughs> no. one of those no, moments. I, <laughs> I, I figured it had to, because this just comes off so cleanly. And I, I can't imagine that little scream that she gets would have been that, that little, even though it's a big little screen, yeah, that, if it had been just like off. that, had it been <laughs> yeah, really close yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. No, we're, we're, we're interesting, fun, not, Slicing people up and coming around the corner, going, "Oh, well, look what happened there!" <laughs> right. Oh darn! That, that never happens. <laughs> well, let's put it this way: you worked for years after this. So. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so who did you kill last week? <laughs> so in in the in like the time crunches that you might have had to put some of these sets together, what? 
out of everything, and maybe you already talked about it, was the biggest feat that you had that you're like, I can't believe we actually pulled that off. Um, I can't believe we pulled that off in the limited amount of time that we had. I'll tell you one that I never get credit for and is is really, (laughs) it's it's interesting. It's an incredibly complicated thing, and nobody thinks about it because it was almost too well done, is the circular staircase. You know, the steel, the steel circular staircase from the top to the bottom, from the very top, from, you know, and and we literally had to take a piece of the roof off of the stage, quote unquote stage warehouse. We had to take the roof, section of the roof and cut it off and pull that roof off in, in order to shoot it. Um, because it went right up to the ceiling. The ceiling was 23 feet high. Now think about that. From the top to the bottom of that set is 23 feet. Wow. How long does it look? Man. (laughs) It looks endless, doesn't it? It does, yeah. The lighting was great, too. Yeah. 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 That was 23 feet. Wow. In other words, if they had walked all the way around... And this is the funny thing that you don't that you don't realize is this is that they go out onto the platform and they start down and if they actually had gone full 360 degrees they would have hit their mouths on the the platform uh, that they started on. Speaking of safety, <laughs> it was it, it was in forced perspective and it was compressed. Yeah. So and it kept getting more and more and more and more and more compressed all the way down to the bottom. In fact, the whole set was um, about four feet around in the bottom. Oh, wow. It was yeah. four feet around. And at the top, I think it was 12 feet around. That makes sense. So, wow. So you're actually – and I sat and figured out every cut of every piece of material on it from one end to the other all the way down. In fact, I had somebody that um, – wrote on the side of it it was great because I, I wish i had a picture of it but what he wrote he said i just built a forced perspective faux steel staircase and i had no idea how i did it <laughs> <laughs> it's That's so great. awesome because like that literally like is like the stairway to hell like that anytime i think of hell or anything like that i think of that stairway it's a spiral staircase to hell <laughs> yeah ACDC had it wrong. Yeah, that's right. Staircase. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it, it was. Uh, it was pretty. I find that really interesting because uh, I think that there's a certain theme uh, between three and four that some of the transitions, the trips to go into the dreams and stuff, mm-hmm. are so complicated, and yet you, you had to do your best to make sure that they flowed, and because of that flow. You kind of miss just what complicated gags they are, <laughs> right? Like uh, Joey in the um, mm-hmm. Joey uh, suspended. Oh yeah, in over, the bed, over the hell, over the pit. Yeah, over yeah. the pit. Oh my god, that was complicated. Jeez, he. First of all, we had the room itself uh, where he's suspended over, and and the 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 tongues which. Um, Rachel Tallow has always talked about this. I I can't think I can't think of the guy that did the tongues. Canem, Greg Canem, I think, and uh, and he was late by a couple of days, and we had to keep moving around in the schedule. And and she just absolutely wanted to strangle the guy. 
She actually left the stage when he came when he finally oh, showed boy. up. <laughs> oh, was that bad? So, so he had the tongues, and and there are so many versions of him <laughs> in the bed, you know, over the pit, and each one of those is is filmed in in like three or four different places that you don't realize. For instance, the shot of there's two shots. One shot looking. In fact, this is going to be in my book. It's from three, I know, but I cheated it. Uh, there's a shot of the cut on the stage, the um, uh, in, yeah, in the, Freddy's Hell, yeah. the one in Freddy's Hell. You know, the pit that he's over. There, there's, there's a picture of that pit on its side, with with him sitting sitting <laughs> back, about ready to get into the position that he had to hold forever, so that we could do the camera match uh, of him coming out yeah. like uh, like this. That matches to the bed. We had another set that was the bed completely on its side with the hole in it with the blue screen lights behind it that were backlit. Uh, it was complicated. You know, we tortured that guy in so many ways. <laughs> so, you know, it's a question I always have when I'm in bed. What do you do with your tongues? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that in there. Somehow. Wow. Wow. You anyway. know what? <laughs> oh, so many inappropriate. I was going to say that was that, <laughs> that was, was kind of clean. That was yeah. That I, had was a, a, I had a few more in my head, but I went with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. anyway, I, I think you drove all the way up to the edge of appropriate, and I think your bumper went over. I might have. Yeah, I really little, think it did. A little b- yeah. bump. It. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so anyway, um, I think this film made Freddie the superstar that he is. I think this is the film that did it personally oh this is the film yeah. yeah no this is but 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 i have to tell you we had barely a year between the two. Oh yeah from, from our point of view. Pretty, yeah I from our that. point of view we had about a year between the two of them and and there was so much uh momentum that went into the other film but this isn't the other film hmm. we're talking about three yeah um well yeah chuck russell i mean lost boys and it, the blob it, what was your 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 creepiest uh, death in this film. Who wants to go first? I've got a tie. Let me think about it. I'll go first. Okay, go. The creepiest death for me is Will's. When he's in that hallway and Freddie has that bass in his voice and the light hits him just ever so softly and he says the back in the saddle again line... It's back in the saddle again. Oh, yeah. It, that's pretty creepy. Like, it moves. It's freaky, right? Like, it moves from that moment where it's like, okay, he's got a little bit of comedy to a, oh, sh- he's going to kill you. Right. Like, 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 he's toying with you, but now he's serious. Right. And it's just, it is so, that hallway, I don't know what it is about that scene, because, you know, there are other creepier deaths in the films, but that... Scene that's is that is so creepy. to me that has a certain it's an incredible sadness to it there there's a part where uh he's pulled out of the bed to sit down to see mm-hmm. uh I, I can't think of the character's name uh the guy who dies well he think will gets pulled out of the bed to see uh Philip's death. right to see Philip's death right and for something for some reason the combination of that and Freddie's saying that at his death was kind of poignant, you know? Right. I don't yeah. know if poignant's the word to, to, to use, but it, w- it was creepy. You're right. Definitely creepy. Deandra? 
for me, well, I'll give an honorable mention to Jennifer's death because there's something about television's not working and voices coming out of it that (laughs) gives me the heebie-jeebies. But I feel, for me, it definitely was Philip. I mean, it, it is an iconic death, and I know a lot of people will say this, but when that puppet who freaks me out just in any case, (laughs) and then he comes to life and he goes to the foot of the bed and he just gets really big. The shadowing on Freddie at that point is really terrifying. (laughs) And the angle that it shot from with the camera makes him look so much more sinister because it makes him look taller, but just to be there kind of helpless as Philip, you can't go anywhere. Yeah. You're in your skivvies, and then he just rips into you with his claws, and you're just forced to keep walking. And every, every little breath that Bradley takes in that moment, there's you could just tell there's just so much pain in every movement that Freddie is forcing him to do. And then seeing him up there on that really menacing, I think, that tower in the hospital with the archways is extremely menacing and to see Philip, you know, up there and, and like way up high in this giant Freddy in the sky. I, it, for me, it, it is a very, very scary scene because if I put myself in Philip's shoes, because sometimes when I watch horror movies, I have a lot of empathy for the characters and I, I somehow feel what they're feeling. Um, it just makes you feel so small and helpless if you're in Philip's shoes and Freddie just consistently is bigger and more powerful and he has no control and he knows he's going to die and it's going to be a painful death. And just mm-hmm. watching yeah. the uh, pain and the terror in the faces of his friends trying to wake him up from, from down below. It's, it's just one of those, those deaths that I'm going to echo very, that. very haunting. I'm going to, I'm going to echo that. I'm going to say that to me, Philip's death completely freaked me out, but I'm going to put a coda to it. little addendum. <laughs> when, when that sequence was shot, the sequence of the uh, arms being cut and stuff, all those close-ups were actually done in um, his shop because the makeup effects were all very complicated for that. I saw the scene cut together before the MPAA got to it, actually before we cut it into the rest of the film. I saw that scene cut together with Rachel and I'm not kidding. This was the long version of it where we saw Freddie take the whole vein out and the whole vein out and the veins on. And I mean the whole sequence and I swear it, it made me want to throw up. It was so bad. I, just, I was just kind Why of... Why do we not get to see right. those? Why do we What's not release this stuff? Well, they had to carve it up quite a bit for the MPAA. Uh, they, they really did a lot. Um, you know, which is funny because nowadays, I'm, I'm sure that to get an R rating, nowadays they would have to cut, cut it up even more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, Gosh. it was it was really bad. But uh, But... To me, that that just makes me, just makes my hands just tingle. How about you? Huh? I agree that Phillips is the scariest, and I, the whole puppet master thing, and also that I can feel the veins. Like I can almost feel my yeah, veins. Yeah, feel your veins. Out. Yeah, and I was really uncomfortable watching it, and I always am every time I see that scene. Now, uh, now let's talk about where he falls from for a sec. Yes, where does he fall from? Did you guys? Yes. 
UCLA. Well, absolutely, but where is it? Where is it in the script? Did you ever understand what was going on there? Because I don't know if it came through on this script, but was this like the bell tower for the church or something? This is the bell yeah. tower in the church. Yeah. This did you see? He he well, goes. He, he goes, is the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. <laughs> anyway, sorry. But but you see <laughs> Philip. You see Philip walk through a locked door. Right. Yes. At the end. Yeah. Okay. And when Greg's character comes around and, and he has to break through a locked door yeah. to the same building, and that is the same. That is the same building. So that locked tower is where Philip died. Ah, yes. Did you ever think about mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's of course you know, they did. Of course scene. they did. I can, I could say I didn't. But, well, no. Yeah. Because that scene with Craig Wasson and um, Freddie's mother, like, that truly is the creepiest scene in the entire movie without it even being Freddie. Without there being any Freddie or any murder or any deaths, that scene is so messed up when she's lighting the candle and telling the story of Freddie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think that, like, that whole thing is one of the main components that makes it really the favorite of so many fans because it just ties everything mm-hmm. together. It just makes the so whole much sense. Darker. But dark. Yeah. Yeah. Dark. Well it, it, it's pretty amazing to think that Freddie came from a nun. I think that really that that <laughs> juxtaposition of having this darkness come from something that's, you know, seen as light and goodness and untouchable in a way from evil. Because you're holy, you're untouchable. But but not her. She was she was definitely touched by the devil, or a yes. uh, hundred maniacs. <laughs> I do like the fact this is a Patricia Arquette's debut, right? I yeah. didn't know that until yeah. I, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that because I looked her up and I'm like, oh, right, wow. And and and, and she her personality is so strong. Uh, yeah, she's awesome. All their threat. She was she was pretty awesome. I have to say, actually, all of them were really. I do like Larry Fishburne, and I gotta make a comment about. You know what, Kincaid. I, think, I don't I, like honestly, Kincaid very much. What? What? How can you not like Kincaid? I love Kincaid because he's kind of a character, and, and he's over the top. Like at that time, they were making fun of black people, and I think that's how they wrote the script. And I think Larry Fishburne played it cool, and he just played his normal self. And I think that came across to me. I think uh, Kincaid's a little bit too animated for me, and oh, he also yeah. looks like he's forty-five. Kurt, I mean, I, I get it. I I can respect that, I guess. But at the same time, to me, Kincaid just seemed very real because probably because I'm I'm very animated okay. as a human being. So I was like, I oh, one of my people. Like here we are. We're both really extremely animated. How can you not like <laughs> how you, you sit down? Like, well, I'm not saying it's not comical. I, I just movie. it's not really based what? in reality. Yeah. What I'm trying to say. Or when he says, I mean, in my favorite line of Kincaid's, and I had, I had Ken sign this was, uh, <laughs> yeah, Freddie, you think you hot shit with the little mute kid, don't you? That is my favorite. My favorite, because you just imagine Freddie up there. He's got his like swagger going on. He's like, I got Joey, but poor Joey's totally defenseless. And it just is this comedic picture in my head that I've always had. I love it. I love Kincaid, but I respect that. I respect that. I respect <sighs> People don't like Nancy, oh, and like you know, Nancy. I they're dead. Yeah, to Kincaid, me, so. I think it's worse I mean, in four. I will say he's not so bad in three. Oh, good. Four, I think it gets a little too comical. I mean, I'm comparing him to like what? 
He's the best. She dies in four. How Sheila, dare character, you? the character Sheila. No, she was awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you compare those two characters, I would go with Sheila any day uh, just because uh. she's normal. She yeah. seems normal, yeah. like a real person. The other Kincaid's like a character to me. Like he's like yeah. a clown, I guess. Well, there you go. And we'll talk about you, Rennie you, Harlan you, you, and, and trying to get her to talk more black you, in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tuesday, Tuesday, your podcast looks so beautiful. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> 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 you know, I had to get through this. I had to. I, I, hey, I had those to get, came from Tuesday's lips, all right? Those I had to came get through directly the book. from Tuesday. I had to get through making that book without, you know, heavily getting into all that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Be, because I thought that, that, to me, that was kind of noise, you know, to like, uh, to the making of the film, mm -hmm. you know, in the background. Well, you don't deal with that drama when you're on the production side as much as with the actors, right? Yeah, no, no, yeah. you're you're absolutely right. You know, let let, let them figure it out amongst themselves. Yeah, yeah. You mean you mean Mick? He wasn't like, oh, Mick, your buttocks is so yeah, good. That's personal. That's hey, hey, hey. Only in private. Your luck is right. of hair. That's personal, man. <laughs> Listen, a little fin on the side. Oh goodness. <laughs> Mick, I have a question for you. And so I tend to ask this a lot of people involved in the films because I'm so nosy and I want to know. But so now that you rewatched it again, rewatching it again, was there anything that you guys filmed that didn't make the cut at all? In a way, three was a little bit more worked out. And this is something that I especially noticed. If you notice, three has a lot of little optical pieces in it. And those optical pieces took time. And and you could tell that there were things that were that were mm -hmm. prepped over a much longer period of time for three. Uh, I think that we knew kind of what we were doing a lot. Other than the end by itself, the the the, the whole how we're doing the end, and there are certain things that we may have filmed in the end that we filmed in multiple ways, so that it could be edited together and corrected right. together. In the great bulk of the story, four was the one that really had a lot of that had things that kind of kept dropping off as we went down the road. And I know we've talked about it before with four about how it was basically being yes written as it was being made in a sense. And but four, when I first became a fan, like I was super obsessed with four. I love four, <laughs> aka the MTV a Nightmare on Elm Street. I love the pop cultureness and somewhat. When I think of Freddie, when I used to draw Freddie, because I used to spend. Some people would write in their notebooks, you know, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so in love forever. And I was like, Freddy Krueger, like Freddy Krueger everywhere. But when I would draw Freddy, I would draw him from part four all the time. There's just that look. And, and I remember I was talking, I had a little small conversation with Tommy Hudson. I was just on Twitter and we somehow got on the, the, the topic that for us, when we think of Freddy, part four pops up in our right. head immediately if we're going to draw Freddy or uh, think about Freddy being in our dreams. it's For me, it's part four Freddy. I, I think that um, Robert England... Let me put it this way. Robert England did an interview for four uh, with me. He talked about how he was in negotiations for a long time before coming back to the film. Uh, he was on V at the time. He's very popular show. I mean, V was number I love one. That show. Yeah, yeah, and and he was number one in that show, and and so 
his popularity at the time and his, um, I, I mean, he could go a completely other direction and he knew it. And the thing is, is he was, he was, uh, by the time they got done with the, uh, negotiation period, he was sick. Um, but he says, he says this, and he says it in this interview, he says, but when I walked the very first time that he saw anything, uh, of what we were doing on Nightmare on Street 4 was at the junkyard. And he said that when he walked up and he saw the junkyard and, and he kind of asked everybody to go away for an hour and, so that he could possess the, the space so that he, he says the space created the character. Mm-hmm. He said it energized him. It made him, it made him look the way that he did on 4. And, and he said just the bigness of it made Freddie mm-hmm. this big and, and, and uh, more theatrical and more striking poses and stuff. And I think that, that, that that's one of the big differences between three and four is like everything on four is, it, it is MTV. It's striking that pose. It's, you know what it is? It's, it's the heavy metal guitarist holding the, you know, and just, just striking that chord. Yeah. You know, like that, that's and And that's what Freddie's doing. Yeah. And he says that his whole reaction in relation to it had to do with seeing that set with coming on to that enormous, you know, place that was, uh, that was all just, just all that. Right. And I think that on, I think that on three, uh, wow. it was a, a little bit more cerebral. And I think Freddie, in his own way, was a little bit more cerebral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why I like it. I do, too. I, I agree. Yeah, for some reason, I, I totally. really enjoyed... I like this more. I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. 3 a lot more this time that I saw it. You know, as I keep watching them back and forth, and I still... It's still... I think it's it, just a better movie. It, I mean, that's the way I look at it. Like, Well, it it is a better movie. But, but at the same time, and Danny Hassel put it best... Danny said, Hassel says, you know, let's face it. Nightmare on Street 4 is the most kick-ass popcorn movie that <laughs> right. ever existed. Yeah. And he's right about yeah, that. He's right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a kick-ass uh, popcorn movie. I think Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is a better film. It actually sends you away thinking about it, but I still love me some 4. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. I love I both love of them. Mm-hmm. I feel like both of them are so good that you can like watch them all at once. Like you can start three and go all the way to the end of four and just be like, Oh, okay. Like, I think that like there's a shift in it, obviously like going from darker to like the MTV comedy thing, but I don't think it's so drastic. I think that they meld really well together. Yeah. I I think they do too. Somebody posed a question not that long ago, Paige, that was kind of like that. That was, you know, is there really, I think it might have been Dre and maybe Stay Awake, but he asked about, um, is the difference in Freddy's between movies really that drastic? And a lot of people, including myself, thought, you know, in certain films it is, but between three and four, there's a pretty smooth transition there. I mean, there's a noticeable difference, but at the same time, it's it's pretty smooth from one to the other. Yeah, I think it's a, it, it's a progression is what it is. 
when he comes right. You know, yeah. when he comes. I think that the most interesting thing, and, and this is totally getting away from three, and I don't know if we should shut this yeah. down. Because I have tons of comments about four. Need, this we, might be a good transition into four. <laughs> Here's here's what we all have to do in order to be released from this film. We have have to rate it. Can so, you ever be released from this movie? No, I can't. I can't, I can't. be. I can't. I definitely <laughs> no, I can't be. So, how many like, doors listen, do we give it? It's my favorite film in the entire world. Not oh, just my favorite nightmare film. It's my number one. Even more than Teen Wolf. Now stop it with Teen Wolf. You and Teen Wolf. I can't believe it. He made me curse. No, it is. I can't believe. Listen, this is it's it's my number one. Like I don't ever I don't ever get like anything signed. So are you gonna? I mean, I'm I actually own and you know I'm prejudiced here, and I'm gonna (laughs) go for a a four point one. Wow, I thought you rated higher. I was expecting more out of you, but that's okay. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you know what? I, I swear. You, I'm, you know, I'm talking to a guy here that I, I asked him to judge. A, you know, we got down to the judging part of the film the other day, and he goes, wow, you know what? This is why we need to make a, a, this is why we need to make a spreadsheet. I go, oh, my God. If you need a spreadsheet for this, you're overthinking everything. <laughs> Well, I, was, I see ourselves reviewing the same movie twice, and then I want to see if Mick rates it differently. So I might, I might try to trick him. Yeah. I might try to trick him to do a movie that we've already done and see what yeah, he says. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Saturn 3 or something. Shut anyway. up. So, yeah. I guess I could go now because I'm excited. It's your turn. Excited. I would rate this Let's... extremely high because okay. it's my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street okay. movie out of, I guess, six that I've seen. Yeah. So I say this is the number one. And I... I love the sets. I love how dark it is. I love how Freddy's not just not too comical and it's kind of dark. Everything's dark about it. Yeah. So I, I kind of lean that way, I guess, with movies anyway. Um, and of course, uh, I would just get it like a poor four point six. Whoa! Yes. Not a five, but a four point six. Wow. Yeah. I like that. He just rated one of my films better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. We're our own worst critic, yeah. aren't yeah. we, Mick? That's what it is. You should have seen him trying to review strays ah. and critters too. It was he was like squirming <laughs> in his seat, like. <laughs> I'll read it five. Oh, no. we've wow. got a five. I expected I that actually. Go. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah, yeah. Went for five. Deandra. I'm gonna go with um, uh, four point one, like you, Mick, because it gets. Despite loving it, despite me agreeing that it is the perfect mix of being cerebral, but also having that little bit of comedy, but it's a sinister comedy. I mean, it's and the story and the characters and the acting, it's all so wonderful, Um, but it gets major points deducted for Nancy's death and what I wish would have been in from... the earlier script by Craven. I know it's like I'm beating a dead horse, but I'm going to keep beating it until the, the I really die. The really funny thing is, is I, I, I have to see, I have to watch Kurt's yeah, face during this. The beautiful dream. You will never die. Do you understand? Nancy Schmancy. Nancy I will die Schmancy. For I'm going to take. I'm going to take the spiral staircase to hell. <laughs> well, um, you know what? I, I have a feeling that that's it, and we're going to trot on to the next one. How about that? Yeah. Giddy up. <laughs> Giddy up.
Thank you for joining us on the Dream Warrior Review Podcast. Don't forget to like us and follow us on Facebook, DW Review, and Twitter, at DW Review. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google, Stitcher. You can even find us on YouTube. You can also email us at dreamwarriorreview at gmail.com. And we appreciate you listeners. I'm Kurt Thomas with Nick Strong. See you next time. It's a door. It's a door. <laughs> <laughs> it's a door. <laughs> <laughs>